We're back with the Fox News alert. An unsealed Foreign Intelligence Service court filing reveals the FBI overstepped its authority using warrantless search powers against U.S. citizens over 278,000 times in 2021. The Bureau's director, Christopher Wray, says the organization is taking steps to reform the system. This, of course, far from the only stunning revelation of FBI bias this week. Our next guest testified in an explosive hearing about the Bureau's alleged retaliation against their own agents. Working as an FBI special agent was my dream job. My whistleblowing was apolitical and in the spirit of upholding my oath. Nonetheless, the FBI cynically elected to close ranks and attack the messenger. The FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. And we are all examples of that. FBI whistleblowers Steve Friend and Garrett O'Boyle both join us now. Gentlemen, so glad to have you on the program. Thank you for your testimony earlier this week. Steve, I'd love to start with you. During your testimony, you were asked about by Congressman Matt Gates, and you talked about some of the things you were assigned to do as an FBI agent, including taking down license plates outside of school board meetings. You hear this report about FISA warrants and the spying on American citizens, people who were president January 6th. What are your thoughts about what the activities are going on at the FBI? I think the, uh, the FBI has sort of evolved from what we expected to be, which is federal law enforcement. And after 9-11, when the national security branch was grown exponentially, the FBI has now essentially evolved into a domestic intelligence agency with a law enforcement capability, which is what I expressed in the hearing. And that's a problem because the nature of law enforcement investigations are linear. They have a start and an end. And the nature of intelligence operations are circular. They just gain more intelligence to gain more intelligence, and they never end. Oh, what a great way to put that into context. Garrett, we heard from your testimony, highly emotional and compelling testimony uh, this week. I'm curious from your perspective, I was on this week, we talked about your testimony, your life, you know, that you were essentially um, put on suspension right after being transferred across the country, left homeless, uh, right when you had a baby being born. What, what was the tipping point for you, Garrett, when you decided, though, hey, I need to talk about what's going on in the FBI? I don't know if there was any firm tipping point that I can reach to, but it was more a summation of things that had been adding up and just over and over again saying, this doesn't seem right. This isn't what I was taught in constitutional law courses, or this isn't how you implement people's constitutional rights and balance those rights with the law enforcement uh, responsibility that we have to the people in this country. So it was more a summation of things that it was repetitive inside the FBI where it was like, this seems wrong, this seems wrong, that seems wrong. And so it got to a point where I just couldn't sit back anymore and had to just start exposing uh, some of the nefarious things that the FBI was doing. Yeah, Garrett, if you could, I know you testified to it this week. Your life has been totally upside down, turned upside down as a result of your choice to speak. That's correct. It has been. And, you know, uh, I'll, I'll reiterate, I'm, I've made my oath to this country and I'm going to stand by that oath no matter what the cost. And that's, that's all we can do. And I want to urge every American to stand by that oath. We all have a responsibility and a duty to this nation and to each other. And we're the ones who are responsible for making sure that our government and our country runs the way it's supposed to run. Yeah, Garrett, we heard your testimony when you said, if you speak out, though, 
be ready because the FBI will crush you. Uh, Steve, there was an interesting moment with you and Congressman Dan Goldman. He actually asked all of you guys about taking money from Cash Patel, donations from Cash Patel, uh, who worked with President Donald Trump. Uh, Goldman was suggesting to you, Steve, that you basically are on the take, that you are a political operative for taking that donation. What is your reaction? Well, I'll put my patriotic bona fides up against uh, Congressman Goldman any day of the week. Uh, you know, I, I was an unpaid FBI suspended whistleblower, uh, and uh, I was not proud to accept a charitable donation, but I was uh, certainly forced to do so. And, uh, you know, this is just one of the things that the FBI does to force and punish whistleblowers to leave. Yeah. And, and just even with Debbie Wasserman Schultz accused me of being a grifter and writing a book, I didn't accept it in advance, and I told my publisher that uh, I didn't expect to make a single cent. I just want my information to be taken seriously. It's a lot harder when you don't inherit millions as the heir of Levi Strauss. Sure to get by when you try to do the right thing. Before we go, I need to ask you both one quick question that a lot of people ask in America, and that is, you two are outstanding gentlemen. Why are there not more? Are there more? Inside the FBI, are there more people who feel like both of you? Quickly to you, Steve, and then to you, Garrett. I think there are, and the, the way that this hearing went and, and the way that Garrett and Marcus and I were able to comport ourselves against that fire from the Democratic side is going to encourage others to come forward now. Yeah, and Garrett, do you find that you two are outliers or a lot of people share your beliefs and observations about the FBI? I think a lot of people do share our, our beliefs and convictions. I think they just aren't at the point that Steve and I and others have gotten to, or they're too afraid, uh, like we discussed in our testimony. They're too afraid because they know, they've seen our example, that we will be crushed. Steve Friend, Garrett O'Boyle. Thank you for being with us this morning. More importantly, thank you for speaking out. We appreciate it. Thanks, Will. All right. So, yes, Thomas Caldwell, the 70-some-odd-year-old uh, military veteran, an American citizen who was being persecuted, of course, by the Justice Department and whatever various courts, various militarized prosecutors around the country, especially up in Washington, D.C. in particular, dealing with people who are just still trying to go over the the, the, the footage and the phone records and just find people that they can destroy. So they want to put Thomas Caldwell in prison for the rest of his life. For, I mean, he didn't, there was no violent crime. There's really no crime. I mean, what did he do? He tried to petition his government. This is constitutional right. And so constitutional rights are out the window because now it's just the, the, the use of the, the great mechanism of what it would have been justice for the American people and American constitutional jurisprudence that would uh, govern people's rights. But now the, 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 uh, the jurists and the judiciary is so corrupted, it doesn't take very many, that it's profane. It's uh, it's an abomination. This is like a tyranny. Intense, it's, it's going to a hard tyranny. It was a soft tyranny. They kind of puffed it up. They have their little tech elites. They have their World Economic Forum kind of front entrance, you know, the externalization of their of their hierarchy, right? Isn't that what the theosophists and Alice Bailey and Levatsky were talking about, writing books, the externalization of the hierarchy and the secret doctrine, right? These are... These are titles of books that uh, show you the occult and Luciferian underpinnings that built the United Nations. And, and if that's the case, then everything that goes with it, UNESCO, if you look at the people who created that and developed all these various global power centers, World Trade Organization, right, so on and so forth. I mean, who brought China into the World Trade uh, Organization? Listen to Bush, it was Bush and Clinton, a series of the Bush and Clinton series, uh, a presidential, you know, combination that really led to China. <laughs> Instead of China being repressed and destroyed when we had a chance, Bush and Scowcroft made sure that uh, they send the, the messengers of, of peace. So yeah, it's really the, it was the, the support and the love of the, the power center, the, pa the papists, the papal knights, 
back in America and Europe who were trying to undermine ultimately the, in the big picture, in the big plan, the big grand scheme, the big grand scope. They're trying to undermine popular government, democracy, and representative uh, a government and bring back the extremism of the dark ages and a return to serfdom, right? A return to a peasant class. And, um, and that's what this plan is all about. That's ultimately what it's, what it's going to all be about. It's going to be about making sure that you can have the ultimate supremacy of the papal doctrine, which is world domination. That's why it's so similar to Islam. The papal world domination is really all about having the entire system of the world in one way or another. It doesn't matter if it's with communism or some kind of other extremism or national political doctrine or any kind of system in the world by which they can bring people into dependency and slavery and poverty and basically total enthrallment to their global system. And so that's that's what the bringing America down, the, the idea of making free men, making people who are free to enjoy their, their life and their property and, and the protection of their own rights is something that is being destroyed and undermined through this judicial tyranny that we're witnessing. So now it's time for a word from our sponsor. And as you know, our sponsor is courageously helping us to keep our show going here. So it's Wendy'sLimited.com. Wendy'sLimited.com. So Wendy'sLimited.com. Wendy'sLimited.com has all the hottest new styles and couture trends and latest boutique women's apparel and shoes and heels and flats and all kinds of just wonderful stuff. You have hives and honey uh, jewelry armoire. It's been a favorite lately. And we have, of course, Windsor crystal uh, lamps. I have one, uh, one in stock in particular that has been a favorite. So Wendy'sLimited.com is always open to help you get everything you need. Awesome Prada purse that we uh, saw that, that uh, Wendy's Limited just put up. So we have to think who out there wants to get incredible Prada fashion couture. You know that um, from what I hear, they're a favorite of many, many ladies out there, many women all over the place. In fact, I think you cannot find a single family member or wife or sister or aunt or grandmother or loved one or girlfriend or what have you that uh, does not love Prada purses. So if you want to be totally awesome, you have to eventually come to grips with wendyslimited.com. Wendy's Boutique Limited has all the hottest new styles and latest women's apparel, everything you need to be totally awesome. If you're a woman or if you have a, a woman who's someone that you love, and of course we all love women because they're just so awesome. That's why Wendy'sLimited.com is so successful. So go check out Wendy's Boutique. Wendy'sLimited.com is the only place to go. And we have to recommend she's been totally 100% awesome to us and generous so we are always going to be buying our jewelry fine jewelry gold gold and silver jewelry and all of our best boutique couture and designer trends are we're going to go to wendyslimited.com so check out wendy's boutique limited
20 federal assets, ATF, FBI, Ray Epps, there at the Capitol building on January 6th during America's insurrection disaster. And so we're going to go through the motion. It was filed by Mr. Caldwell's defense team. But let's get some background over from the Epoch Times. They're telling us at least 20 FBI assets were embedded. It's coming from this motion. We'll see that. But the disclosure comes in the defense of the 10 Oath Keepers, the people that were finally after almost, what was it, 16 months, finally declared uh, seditious conspirators for what they did or what they were involved in or what they allegedly did back there on January 6th. It took a long time for them to get to this point, but David Fisher, who is an attorney for Caldwell, filed a 41-page motion to dismiss, and it's a big doozy. We'll go through some of it. I'd encourage you to read the whole thing. It's taking place out of the U.S. District Judge's Courtroom, Amit Mehta. And what's interesting about this is that Caldwell is not even a member of the Oath Keepers. It's curious. So we'll see a little bit more about what's going on with them. But let's hear from Mr. Caldwell himself because he has been on the media communicating a little bit about what's going on in this case. Here he was on Tucker. Interestingly enough, while I was languishing in the prison in solitary confinement, not knowing when I was going to get out, Sharon found us our current lawyer, Mr. David Fisher. And David Fisher immediately started doing lawyer stuff, right like on. looking for the truth and doing some research. And when he did that, he went to the government and he said, uh, how's about showing me some evidence? Discovery. And when they couldn't produce it, they immediately changed their position. Oh, now they say the exact opposite of what they said. Yeah. Originally, they claimed I was the commander of the Oath Keepers, that I did this terrible thing to go inside and I created a plan to attack Congress. Now they admit, no, Tom, you really didn't do that. Mm. You weren't the commander of the Oath Keepers, oh. not a leader, not even a member. Now, they seem to be very nice people, yeah. but I'm not part of that organization. Yeah, because we thought that Stuart Rhodes was the leader of the Oath Keepers. And as we know, if you're a member of the Oath Keepers, you kind of are a nice guy. I mean, at least you don't get arrested. How do we know that? Well, because we see this photograph. We know that this gentleman by the name of Ray Epps was originally wanted by the FBI. And you saw this in photograph number 16 down here when they went through their most wanted list. And they started arresting all these people. Photograph 17, this guy got arrested looking for everybody else. But something happened. Ray Epps never got arrested. And in fact, they deleted this photo and they said, no, we don't really care about Ray Epps at all. But what does Ray Epps have to do with the Oath Keepers and Stuart Rhodes or any of these things? Well, there's an old video from Arizona where they're walking around as Oath Keepers. You can see here's a photograph of Ray Epps back here. I've played the video many times on this channel. Won't do it again for you. But here you can see there is Ray Epps. And look at this. Here's Ray Epps again. And they're here both working at the Oath Keepers, it's a memorial for, I think, a fallen member, and they're all there celebrating. So it looks like Ray Epps was a member of the Oath Keepers at one point. Don't know if he still is. He's not included in any of these indictments. And so that's very interesting because Caldwell says they are nice people. Presumably they are. I mean, he's not getting arrested. Where weird. I wonder why. Oh, but you know what else is interesting? Look who's standing right next to him. Oh, yeah, Stuart Rhodes, Oath Keepers, 
the leader, apparently, who has also been indicted and charged under this whole thing. So it's very, very interesting, very concerning that we see one member of the Oath Keepers standing next to another member of the Oath Keepers. This guy has been indicted. This guy has not been indicted. Both apparently were there on January 6th. But what do I know? I honestly don't even know if this is a you know legitimate prosecution. If they're going to sham the whole thing, wouldn't you also have sort of a beginning and a middle and an end of the whole sham? You'd have a beginning set up where you you know sort of were creating the whole narrative. You'd have the actual event, and then you need a conclusion. You need an outro, and so of course somebody's got to get prosecuted. If you're going to prosecute somebody for your fake conspiracy, why don't you just charge? Stuart Rhodes, member of the Oath Keepers, whose pals, maybe with the feds in the first place, hanging out with Ray Epps, who wasn't actually indicted. And we're going to learn that apparently there were other 20 other ATF FBI agents there as well. The motion, of course, comes from Mr. Fisher, the defense lawyer for Thomas Caldwell. You can see here, this is a 41-page motion, and I really am not going to go through most of it. Why? It's highly, highly technical. And it doesn't make for a good video, most of it. But there are some juicy parts that we are going to dive into. But David Fisher is now moving for a dismissal of all four counts of the indictment. Now, sometimes in these motions to dismiss, you see some argument that has you know a lot of facts and things like that. We're not going to get much of that here. Why? We get one paragraph of factual background. Mr. Fisher is saying, you know, it's pretty simple, Judge. A motion to dismiss centers on the allegations stated within the four corners of the indictment. In other words, he's saying, we're not going to be talking about anything else other than what the government wrote in this document. Okay, they said we got indicted here. They're saying this is the justification for the indictment. Saying what they wrote down, even if it was all true, even if we just said, yep, it's all, it's not sufficient. So he's saying this case can't move forward because the original charging document is garbage. It must be dismissed. And he says, based on that fact, we don't need to belabor the points. Obviously familiar, the court is, with the factual background of J6 and all of these different defendants, and so we're just going to dispense with this. We're going to fast forward through the document. We get down to footnote number two. Interesting. He says, Judge, as I communicated, you know, we're only addressing the facial sufficiency of this indictment, and so we're not talking about the weight of the evidence here. We're not talking about basically what I'm going to talk about but I'm going to talk about it anyways, just so you know what's going on. He writes, the Rhodes defendants emphasize the indictment is an obscenely one-sided, selectively edited, inaccurate representation of their actions and statements. So we had to add that little clip in there with Fox News and the FBI whistleblowers. And this has taken many years to finally come to a head. This is, I mean, this is finally breaking out of the news. And if people are standing around the TV, they can finally hear the truth. In this day and age, with all the suppression and censorship, it's, it's hard to hear the truth, even even when it's being blasted on Fox News. I mean, who is going to let us know and notify us when the truth is finally being aired, right? Just for that five-minute clip. That's all you get. I mean, did you see it? I never saw it. I just caught it on Twitter or something, you know what I mean? Somebody just somebody posted it, you know? That's cool. We were able to catch that little clip and watch it and see how dangerously corrupt the FBI is how much of a Gestapo, a psychopath Gestapo it really is. Right? The whole operation has become this hyper-political and dangerous weapon in the hands of these extremists. And they're hunting us down, putting us in prison, and telling us that we're extremists. We're still in trial. They still have people going to prison. They have still people that... They're, they're taught, these DAs, these Soros-backed DAs, these America destroyers, 
they should be hung by a rope. We should we should do January 6th to these DAs, drag them out of the courthouse, put them up on a rope. We need real, honest prosecutors. It doesn't matter if the people don't like it. People don't like it. I don't like it. I'm sitting here telling you right now we need to drive these people out, the hell out of our country. And uh, until we do that, they're going to be continue to persecute us and put us in prison. You know, you know how much how much danger am I in from doing this podcast? Just from sitting here st- talking air, saying syllables, saying things that I believe. You know, th- things that I'm concerned about. Talking about those concerns here on, on the on on a radio on a podcast. And uh, you know, you know, you're on, I'm on a list. You listen to it. You're on a list. And it doesn't matter if it's fair or it, you know if they can find a way to imprison us or uh, swat us, or roll us up, or murder us, you know what I mean, they'll do it, they'll take us out, guys, with a COVID shot, it doesn't matter, any way they can, just so they don't have to be interfered with, just so they don't, their whole plan here doesn't have to be brought to, to the, the the attention of all of us, and brought, and dragged out to the light, so the FBI, the one slotted FBI there to protect America, and to, you know, uphold the right of the people to have, to be free from crime, and lawlessness. Well, now they're here to make sure that crime and lawlessness reigns. They know that they have a lawless, illegitimate criminal president. They know it. They know that if they were doing their job, they would be investigating crimes like that in Washington, D.C. instead of going all over Kentucky and North Carolina or South Dakota or, you know, wherever they're going, right? All over the place. Texas, all these people are all over the place. These creeps, these FBI lies, all over the country just trying to find American patriots that they can set up as white supremacists or Christian nationalists or whatever kind of buzzword, which I never thought that um, that being a, a Christian and, and being proud of your country was a bad thing. I always thought that was a good thing. That was, that was what made America great because we were, we were believers. You don't go to Saudi Arabia and be like, these Muslim nationalists, right? Of course they're Muslims. You go over there to, to, be, to, to try Muslim food and see Muslim culture and, and look at Muslim architecture, right? You, you, know, you don't go there to implement your religious ideas on them. Well, what are you doing here in America with this crowd? This is, America is a, a Protestant, right? It's a, it, as we go over and over and over again, it's, it's a result of the Protestant Reformation and the Great Awakening, the Renaissance of Europe, the awakening out of the Dark Ages of, of Roman Catholicism, right? It led to the founding of democ- democracy again, of a great republic here in America, representative popular government popular democracy they used to call it back in the day right that was that was not allowed we, we had to have kings and queens and nobility everyone had to get down and, and kneel down oh here comes the king into the room everyone bow their head noblesse oblige oh bow down oh curtsy oh yes lord don't chop my head right that's what that, that was the uh, the way of the world for thousands of years but we brought popular government and individual constitutional liberty individual soul liberty that's a protestant value that's a that's a baptist distinctive right there you don't get that from Roman Catholicism. No, you don't. So, in order to defend the intellectual property of the Protestant Reformation, we need to go into the details and the nuts and bolts of this thing here. The FBI is a result of executive orders. And executive orders are illegal. We already went through this. The whole thing with Abraham Lincoln getting shot, using the war powers that were not constitutional, right? We've been through this. Those war powers were carried on and on and on intentionally. The swamp, Washington, D.C., it's its own little murder murder swamp, right? And they had no problem taking John Carroll's farm and turning it into the center of the empire, a new empire. 
and this new military imperialism that we're having here in America is the result of these war powers, these illegal war powers that Lincoln had to use and uh, was going to ultimately give up restoring the constitutional de jure government. And uh, that has never happened. So that, that's how we get you know, 100 years later. Biden's up there, this creepazoid freak crackhead moron is up there wielding this power, this illegal, unconstitutional dictatorship. And you have Joe Biden up there and we have to defend ourselves against China. We have to prepare to deal with what's happening with Ukraine and Russia, that, that controversy that conspiracy to draw us into a war. As far as I'm concerned, Zelensky and, and Ukraine can kiss America's ass and they better just figure out how to manage having Russia as a neighbor. They shouldn't be so corrupt. They shouldn't be a bunch of sellout pigs over there with the uh, the, the gold face dips for the, the wives. I mean, all, all the corruption that's going on there, all the billions of dollars being poured out. And, and, and ultimately the plan here is not to defend Ukraine, it's just to bleed America and draw us into a foreign war that we can't get out of. So we don't need to, get, you know, this war powers shit with the FBI, this war powers shit with giving F-16s to Ukraine, it's all designed to destroy, and it's, it's going very well. Plan to destroy America is, it's totally operational, it's full on. And there, there's no way around dealing with these, these things because, I mean, you gotta look at Zelensky and Putin, man. And ultimately look at Zelensky in, in his country having all these labs right what are we doing with these horrible labs these these fauci labs bioweapons labs in ukraine right up on russia's border and no one wants to deal with no one wants to deal with our responsibility for provoking this war now we just want to try to get you know rid of putin it wasn't that hillary's uh, you know agenda get rid of putin no i don't think so i don't think we're here we're not america doesn't exist to be the tool of the international globalist jesuit elite we're not here just to serve these masters just to give them whatever they want. No, not so. We're not here just to further the interests of all these these warring parties. And America has no interests and no business in Ukraine. None of the Bidens, they do. They have business with Burisma. They have corrupt business dealings all over Ukraine. They have to go smoke some crack over there on Air Force One. But they they have no business involving themselves in Ukraine. Of course, Ukraine, you know, you know Joe Biden was over there getting the DAs fired who were investigating hunter biden and all that and then of course now they're descended into this horrible war and all, and all these morons these sycophantic disgusting you know transgender worshiping obamaites they're over there with the uh, the ukraine flags up and I'm, I'm not waving ukraine or russian flags i'm not gonna wave flags in this contest morons these these cowards are too afraid to wave their own american flag and they want to wave ukrainian flags around when they're being drawn into this duplicitous vile trickery Right? And, and supporting Ukraine. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, if Ukraine put bioweapons labs in its territory, endangering Russia, and Russia wants to take Ukraine and just make it part of Russia, then fuck Ukraine. Fuck it. Fuck you, Ukraine. Fuck you, all you Ukrainians. Because you let your disgusting, corrupt government come in there and endanger Russia with these bio labs from Washington, D.C. Maybe you didn't know about it. Maybe all of you Ukrainians, 100,000 of you, are all going to get killed because of these dealings. Well, stop fighting Russia and look at your real enemy. You speak Russian there. Your real enemy is, is in Washington, D.C. That's, that's where America's real enemy is. I, I love my country, but this government, this government's got to go. we got to burn this shit down and get rid of these people. I don't know if, if it'll, it'll cause China to invade or I don't know what will happen. But we can't have enemies outside the gate. And we can't have with enemies inside the gate, right? We've got to get the people here right in our backyard. We've got to get rid of them. These Joe Biden pigs, 
these these assets, these espionage assets of foreign governments, these traitors. We've got to get rid of them out of our government. We've got to get them rid of out of our out of our State Department. We've got to get get them out of Washington D.C. It's going to require a lot, a lot more than just a little two-hour riot on January 6th and waving some some foam some foam fingers around. They came out and they shot you. They shot you with rubber bullets. People are missing eyeballs because those disgusting Washington D.C. police pigs went and shot people in the eyeball and shot their eyes out. They went and used those grenades, flash grenades, on the crowd and shot them, and people were burned. People were hit with those canisters. People were damaged. That's what caused January 6th. And all the FBI, the FBI, FBI lie pigs, the Ray Epps in the crowd. The Fed surrection was an entire invention authored by the FBI to have people come down. I don't know if Trump was in on it, right? He brought the entire thing together by doing the speech there. It wasn't really necessary. It didn't help. It wasn't helpful. Did they use that against him? I guess, but they were using it against him the whole time. The guy knew for four years that the entire system was weaponized against him. There wasn't anything wiser that he could do. I don't know. I mean, I mean, we're, we're playing armchair quarterback. Everyone's like completely going absurdly insane over Trump. Everybody's foaming at the mouth. Trump allowed January 6th. He allowed COVID-19 shots just to roll. And he stood up there with with, uh, Dr. Burks and Fauci and stood there and just let them take over the presidency and run the country and make all these decisions. Why did he do that? Because he's not a doctor and he he didn't, you know, I, I get it. But this is a time of extremism. This is, this is requires power plays, man. This isn't, this isn't a game. It wasn't just there to just stroke, you know, his ego. It's not, it's not why Trump won. He won. He got in the office. He was there to take our country back and to do the, the, the thing, to make America great or whatever. It did not work out. The, the swamp, swamp creatures, the FBI swamp state, the corrupt and duplicitous and vile oh, oh, 280,000 violations of Americans' rights last year, says Chris Ray. Oh, we'll try to tighten up. We'll try to do better. Now, get the hell out of our government. You are criminals. You need to get out. The extensive report released by special counsel John Durham on the FBI's targeting of the Trump campaign has prompted demands for accountability within the bureau, but also attempts to downplay the findings by Biden officials and the legacy media alike. In this episode, we talk with Real Clear Investigations senior writer and Federalist editor Mark Hemingway about the troubling revelations and sweeping implications of the special counsel report. I'm Daily Wire editor-in-chief John Bickley with Georgia Howe. It's Sunday, May 21st, and this is a Sunday edition of Morning Wire. Hey guys, Leanne here from Team Morning Wire. Jenny Cell Skincare has upgraded their most popular package to feature their top-selling deep firming. Joining us now is Mark Hemingway, senior writer at Real Clear Investigations and editor over at The Federalist. Hi, Mark. So the long-awaited Durham report was released on Monday. It took nearly three years and is over 300 pages. What were the most important things we learned from the special counsel report? Well, there's a lot of things that could be said specifically about the Trump-Russia investigation and how that was handled. But the most important takeaway here is that the FBI basically violated reams of established policy and procedures to pursue this investigation. They knew very quickly that it was baseless, and yet they seem to continue to pursue this investigation incredibly aggressively in a way that was totally unprecedented and flew in the face of all kinds of contrary evidence that they had in their possession about it. I mean, that's sort of the main takeaway. Durham calls this failure of professionalism, quote, sobering, but I think it's 
it's actually far worse than even that sounds. It, it really was just a catastrophic failure across the board of people that are supposed to be serious and supposed to, you know, take civil rights violations and respect for democracy and all these other things very seriously. And then they did absolutely none of that. And they very clearly appear to have been motivated by some kind of political animus and bias. And who are some of the big names? Who are some of the key players that really stood out over the pages of this report? Well, it's hard to even know where to begin with that question, but I'll just start with one person, and that is Igor Danchenko. For those people that were familiar with the supposed dossier on Trump that included the tale of him getting you know, micturated on by Russian prostitutes and all of that nonsense, it turns out that, according to his own estimation, 50 to 80 percent of that dossier was sourced to a single man named Igor Danchenko, who was uh, a flunky at the Brookings Institution, uh, a big think tank in Washington, D.C., and, you know, a Russian, obviously. And so much of what Danchenko said was just, like, completely made up and or sourced to other people that wasn't revealed. So you were getting, like, you know, third-hand sources of information and they were taking these things very credibly when they had no reason to. Um, a good example of that is Danchenko got the story about the Russian prostitutes, not directly, but from a lawyer that worked literally for the DNC, and he supposedly sourced that story. And it's really just sort of shocking that they ran with all of this information coming from the man and, and knowing where it came from. Further, another sort of crazy fact is that after the FBI knew that Danchenko had provided bad information, they paid him an additional $300,000 and kept him on the payroll basically as a confidential human source, basically because doing that meant that they could decline to say whether or not he was working with them and they could kind of keep him under wraps. They wouldn't have to admit that they were taken by this guy. I mean, it's just an absolute travesty and miscarriage of justice in that regard. So that's a situation where we have the federal government paying somebody that they know is, in fact, a misinformer. Yes. Uh, well, and not only was he a misinformer, what was interesting about Denchenko was that, I want to say circa 2010 or 2011, the FBI actually did a counterintelligence investigation into him to figure out whether or not he was a Russian agent. And they never did make any... So that's a situation where we have the federal government paying somebody that they know is, in fact, a misinformer. Yes. Uh, well, and not only was he a misinformer, what was interesting about Danchenko was that, I want to say circa 2010 or 2011, the FBI actually did a counterintelligence investigation into him to figure out whether or not he was a Russian agent. And they never did make any conclusive judgments about that. So, you know, the FBI knew that this guy could be potentially a Russian agent and potentially injecting you know, Russian disinformation directly into our political process. And yet they kept this fact under wraps and used his information to get warrants to spy on the president. I mean, it's just absolute madness that they would pick and choose information from an unreliable source like that that they, they knew full well or believed could well have been a Russian agent. Durham highlights evidence that the Russian collusion narrative was drummed up specifically by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Yet in August of 2016, some of our highest ranking officials, CIA Director John Brennan, President Obama, Vice President Biden, uh, A.G. Loretta Lynch, and FBI Director James Comey, they were all involved in briefings on this manufactured narrative, how could that happen that the highest ranking officials in the land were involved in this? Well, the absolute kindest explanation would be that these people were so committed to their partisan objectives that they simply refused to believe any sort of countervailing facts that someone as 
atypical of Donald Trump was anything but malicious, particularly because he represented a populist validation of a rejection of the agenda that they'd been working on so hard. I mean, that's about the kindest explanation for it. And that kind of requires them to be malicious idiots and to ignore so many other facts. The truth, I think, is probably some mixture of, well, yes, they had their own, you know, partisan motivations that made them blind to certain things. But I, I think it had to be certainly more conscious than that in terms of them having a very you know, partisan objective to, on some level, basically undermine and possibly even overthrow a democratically elected president and install someone else simply because they viewed him as a threat to their sort of established cultural and political order that clearly, you know, whatever you want to say about Donald Trump, his election was a loud signal from the American populace that they were very tired of the established center-left order when it came to issues like immigration and foreign policy, and they just couldn't handle that. The report also looks at the media's role to some degree and that some media outlets, such as the New York Times, the leading news source in the nation, particularly on the left, we're just willing to go along with a lot of these false claims of collusion, despite a, a glaring lack of evidence. Should there be some form of accountability for these media outlets who promoted false claims? Well, first off, there should be accountability across the board for everyone involved in this. I have very little faith that that will actually happen. But in the report, I mean, it actually talks about how the New York Times published, like, actual fake news. And it has Peter Strzok, you know, the man who was involved in some of the most malicious FBI efforts to get Trump, himself admitting he doesn't know what the heck the New York Times was doing and that they'd published a whole bunch of fake news on this topic that was just flat out wrong. And Strzok was a man who was, you know, on record as being incredibly hostile to Trump. And when he's saying it, I mean, that's how far gone the New York Times was. But, you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post both won Pulitzers for their Russiagate reporting. And the Pulitzer Committee, of course, conducted a review last year of that reporting and, and concluded, no, no, the Pulitzers should stand and, you know, that's just fine. I mean, look, I don't know how anyone could conclude that these people should ever be trusted again on this topic, let alone almost anything else, without having to do some sort of, you know, giant mea culpa for what they did. I mean, everything about what they did in terms of, you know, narrative framing to, you know, a lot of you know, actual facts was just flat out wrong. And they misled the American people greatly for years at a time. This was the dominant story of the entire Trump presidency, and it was completely predicated on nothing, or was worse than nothing. It was predicated on partisan activists who made up a bunch of stuff to deliberately stymie, you know, an elected president. I mean, it, it's, it boggles the mind that half the country can go along with that. We've mentioned that the White House was briefed early on about this plan to smear Trump as a Russian colluder. Is this worse than Watergate? First off, as a political cliche goes, I mean, everything's worse than Watergate. I mean, it was a third-rate burglary. Yes, it did unravel a presidency. But what I think is really telling about Watergate and is important to understand in the context of what is happening now and why we're having so many problems where, you know, we have this unelected deep state actors going about using their power to destroy things was prior to Watergate, we had a situation in this country where it's sort of the general legal understanding was that the president was the top law enforcement officer in the United States. And basically, famous quote from Nixon, if the president does it, it's legal. It sounds horrible to hear Nixon say it, but it was kind of the default understanding. I mean, remember for decades, we had J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI running around breaking into everyone's offices whenever they felt like it. 
because they felt that they had carte blanche as the executive law enforcement agency to go and do whatever they want. Civil rights violations be darned. And Watergate really flipped the balance of power on that. And now we have a situation here where Justice Department, if they decide that they want to, can completely override the wishes of a president and just go completely you know, to the wall investigating people for no good reason whatsoever, even if it's just furthering their own naked political goals and ambition to take someone down. And I think that ought to be very, very concerning to people that this is the, the place where we've arrived. Like, you know, maybe it was bad before when the president was, you know, personally ordering burglaries. But what's happening now is, is so, so much worse than that. You know, never mind the fact that we've had several presidential scandals since then, like Benghazi, you know, things that had actual body counts attached. But everything's worse than Watergate in that sense. The FBI has responded to this report and they've characterized what happened leading up to Operation Crossfire Hurricane in the following months as missteps. That's their language. They've also said that they've implemented some new rules, dozens of new policies that they say have fully addressed all the issues that are highlighted in this report. Is the FBI fixed? Absolutely not. I mean, clearly we have a completely toxic internal culture from the the top down at the place. And Durham makes this point in the report. He basically doesn't make any huge recommendations for policy, fixing stuff at the FBI, because he says the real problem is, is that people inside the FBI acted with no integrity and no regard for established procedure anyway. So, like, you can pass new laws and you can pass new guidelines for how the FBI should do things, but until the FBI actually has people of integrity that are willing to commit to doing the things that that they should have already been doing, none of this really matters. For instance, one of the big things that came out of the FBI Trump-Russia investigation was they showed up at uh, Trump National Security Advisor's house, uh, Michael Flynn, on a weekend, and they interviewed him about a bunch of stuff related to Trump Russia and they ended up charging him with lying to the FBI in this sort of you know ambush interview. Flynn eventually got pardoned and the whole thing just you know completely unraveled. But what was really remarkable about that interview is the FBI has a long-standing policy that you do not interview anyone at the White House unless you get prior permission from the White House counsel's office and clear this precisely because you know we're trying to avoid conflicts like this. Anytime you're interviewed by the FBI, you know normally would have a, a lawyer present and Flynn was just sort of far too trusting. I mean, they came into that interview with a complete agenda to ambush the guy, ask him questions about a scandal that they knew was largely substanceless, and they charged him with a crime anyway. And he spent so much on legal fees that he had to sell his house. And eventually he pleaded guilty for no other reason than he was just beaten down until he got pardoned. I mean, that is not how law enforcement in this country is supposed to work. The FBI is supposed to have integrity. They're supposed to follow procedures. They're supposed to make careful judgments about political matters. Nobody elected the FBI. Donald Trump was elected by 80 million Americans or whatever it was in 2016. And he has the right, given that Democratic mandate, to go and pick who he wants to serve in his White House. And the FBI doesn't get to go and charge them with crimes for no other reason than they don't like the president. Final question. Can we fix the FBI? What could be done to address these issues with the Bureau? What can be done to FBI would be to raise the Hoover building and salt the earth where it stood. <laughs> I'm dead serious about that. I mean, I think it is beyond fixing at this point in time. The FBI has been at the center of about a million screw-ups over the last 30 years, from the Branch Davidian compound at Waco to the crazy politically motivated investigation of Ted Stevens up in Alaska. They screwed up the anthrax investigation after 9-11. I mean, there's very few W's that are on the board for the FBI in the last 30 years, and something needs to be fixed. Well, a truly remarkable report that lays out some very troubling actions and and patterns in our federal government. So, yeah, we got roundups, got the 
utterly corrupt, hyper-politicized, the, the psycho-elite globalists in bed with the CCP, the City of London, and the Vatican, etc. And as you know, the CCP have a concordat, a special agreement with the Vatican. And this is a similar kind of papal imprimatur that you find connected with with uh, Adolf Hitler and with Stalin and etc. The the Roman hierarchy and the Curia is perfectly happy to let and bless and sanction all the bloodshed that the communist psychos and the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, will unleash as long as they allow the state religion to be something of an amalgamated Roman Catholic one. And when... Um, and that's the agreement, guys. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. And when uh, Cardinal Zen or any, any other kind of prelate or individual gets out of control, the Vatican won't stop when uh, they get disappeared, right? Even uh, 80-year-old clerics. Nope. Not protected. Not whisked away. Not given the Zelensky treatment. Just handed back. Reminds me of Miles Guo. I'm trying to figure out a way to order some of his cool fashion styles, pants and stuff on his website. Try to figure it out. Try to figure out how I can be more productive. And I find it useful now to um, to think about how some of the most radical conspiracy theorists, individuals, conspiracy theorists and, and you know, some of the Stanley Monteiths of old and so on and so forth, the Eric John Phelps of the world who, who recently shut down his, his uh, broadcast don't blame them. In this day and age, they're trying to arrest every individual they can find, but it, it, goes, it harkens back to the discussion the, the discussion that was totally insane back then, that the FBI was dangerous, and that from the top down, the federal government would ultimately begin to use systems of mass tyranny and, and mass repression and systematic control, and, and, and of course, this era of cyber cybernetics and internet networking information superhighways that are being constructed and carefully networked together and becoming massively influential systems of brain control, mind control, as the, um, the software begins to kind of learn the eye movements with the cameras on them, begin to use their ability to read human language. And of course, you have to understand that in China, everything is all facial recognition. That's what they're trying to go here next. That's what, that's what's happening with you guys just kind of use TikTok to your own peril. TikTok is not safe. TikTok is an instrument of the military industrial surveillance tyranny that China has uh, fully operational over there. So for just the sake of um, not losing all of your biometric data to them and your facial, your facial uh, face scan, and of course, they're hard into trying to collect as much DNA as they can get around the world to create bioweapons that are genetically engineered to affect only certain people groups and not others, etc. So, and then we have Christopher Ray, you know, just playing patty cake, trying to protect the Biden crime perverts, right? The ongoing criminal enterprise. 85,000 missing children. God's children are not for sale. We're not, uh, all of our sales are not being driven by the same winds, but... In these times of extremis, I find that um, the gales are 
pushing all of our ships into the same direction. And uh, I find it hard not to resist with all my strength against this uh, evil. And so, even Jim Caviezel being like, where's our Pope? I mean, I thought, wow, this guy's in terrible danger because he's doing this. That's what I thought to myself. That's what happens. Especially individuals on that side of the, uh, the interfaith dialogue, if you want. Supposing, supposed to be um, quietly and gently obedient to the universal ecumenism of interfaith inclusion, right? That's kind of where you start to lose some of these Catholics who actually have a relationship with Jesus. And uh, they do some kind of other super added magic that is not necessary in my, in my view, but it's not for us to say. So in any case, it's necessary for us to recognize now how endangered people of faith are in, in America and in, in an age of the enforcement of the new high imperative, the new unassailable civil rights of trans perverts to get in the vicinity and touching and uh, flashing, I guess, flashing the nutsack. I mean, that, that happened. I mean, just saying, it's just, everyone's upset. The, uh, the trans guy, who, like, teabagged the whole class, the room, like, 24 kids. Anyway, people don't know about it, fine. You don't know. It's, it's You don't have to be upset by it, fine. You're, you're, you're sheltered. But, yeah, that, I mean, bringing the drag queens in, you know, having their, you know, having them, like, show their nut, you know, cross their legs and show their giant, disgusting, saggy nuts to a bunch of, it's fucking disturbing, man, to the kids. And, it, you know, you can't, like, undo that shit. It's all it takes to go in there and just debauch your kid, the whole classroom of kids. It's fucked up. And so what do you people do about that? Of course, like, uh, like the fellow said on some of the programs we recorded, you can't flip out and you can't fire first, right? You can't, you have to, it's horrible, man, because now you have the, the trans school shooter, you know, and, 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 and then they're like, they're trying to like beat down your door because you have an NRA membership. I got my card. I, I mean, I, I never really thought about it before, but I got my NRA membership because I'm going to join that group and support it because, because screw all these dangerous trans psychos, you know, who are like threatening to act out. And so that's, that's kind of what the culture is being brought to is this imperative of a neo-civil rights movement dedicated solely to sexual deviation. And uh, that's why the FBI exists, just to point it out, just to point out what what's needs to be protected in the world, what, what needs to be made safe. The kids at school, not so much if they survive the, uh, the abortion propaganda, the intense high pitch frequency of propaganda that just causes so many women, I guess, not, not women in the Amazon, not women in the Serengeti, not women who still have to have canoes who live in igloos still just do harpoon harpoon seals to survive and get the fat etc women like that are desperately trying to have children uh, but the women in la they just they're, they're being just hit with this psycho beam of energy that's like makes them doubt whether they can manage to be a mommy and have a baby and, and cling the baby to their chest and love it. They, they just, it just turns into this human butchery. And if a child can survive this horrible, over, overwhelming hysteria, primal insanity and scream that comes from the Marxian left in this country, that's kind of co-opted the Democrat party as it was, the old Confederate, Confederate army of the Union of the Gray, the Gray Coats or whatever, right? Fighting for states' rights. Well, now you have the BLM crowd. I mean, the, the they're, all the senators, all, all the Democrats are a wholly owned subsidiary of the extreme left now. And so America has to just survive this. This convoluted conspiracy 
and this mental, the mental breakdown of our elites like Obama, who really just pitifully and pathetically is just attacking and lashing out at his own country. One of our worst enemies, I think. Probably should, should be arrested. Trying to arrest Trump. Probably should be arresting Obama, right? Isn't that, isn't that the kind of world we're in? And um, that's the kind of situation you find yourself in, in America today. And the, the censorship is intense. And as much as you're not allowed to have any, like, really, like, uh, any, any thoughts or ideas that are outside the, um, the acceptable thought parameters of all these FBI field offices all around the country. They're just trying to, just like the embassies, putting up the, the rainbow trans flags all over the world, and in many ways helping to precipitate the fall of, by for, force feeding people our, our kind of dissipation and our depraved and pornographic lifestyles. So it's not just that we do that shit behind closed doors, it's that we have to try to like prance about and try to get other people in other countries whose cultures and you know, social mores, uh, mores and norms are not, uh, who don't, uh, don't uh, align with what people consider to be with people in those regions and nations and from those cultures accept what we find acceptable. People in those African countries who are just absolutely holding their ground, standing their ground and holding to their values and clinging to their own inner compass against the, the intense pressure that's coming from Washington, D.C., diplomatically, economically, militarily. We think about if you're in a small African country, what, what the CIA can unleash against you. They're trying to unleash who knows what against us now. It's, it's easy to see how the the election, the Trump-Biden election was just a complete, a total fraud against the American people and crime against the, the Constitution and the oath of these individuals swear. And it's, a, it's a, the, I mean, we're well past what we should find as the American people, what we should be, you know, what should be acceptable. And um, we got at this point, we have to do what it takes to make sure we hold this Congress accountable and you know, I find it hard now to defend the Federal Reserve System and, and people are like, oh, we can't default. I mean, you know what? If we don't get this out of the way, it's going to happen at a, at a time in 5, 10, 15 years now, down the road when our enemies are even stronger than they are now. And so I, I hate the Federal Reserve System. I've always hoped that it would, that the wretched pain of having to get out from under and get onto a real hard money, you know, a really, you know, it, it's it, that's probably not what's going to happen. I don't see us returning to gold and silver, right? They're going to try to put us on some kind of Fed now, some kind of cryptocurrency and push everybody on it as the dollar collapses. But as you can see now, back as it was in the 2000s when they ran infomercials all night and day, all night and day about getting the chance to get in and buy houses and repair houses and fix them up. And, and the, you know, the, 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 everything now is gold and silver. It's time to, to, to put as much aside for yourself because you know if we have to resist the total control of our information and our identity that this new economic this new crypto central bank cryptocurrency the central bank digital coin uh, will ultimately produce a, a, a total control over the populace and, and with that segueing and integrating into a, a new kind of singularity and information age when the AI and automatic driving cars and you know you, you know the the ability to just be locked out of your own home and in your car and your life and your accounts digitally uh it, it's it, we have to do what it takes to preserve the reality like luddites right we have to preserve the reality of what it means to be able to 
get these goods and, and to get the, the the food items that we need in order to continue to survive. So you know we need we need to be near fresh water. We need to be near. We need to have these hard ground level practical installation and supply lines of our food and necessities in place. Because if you're just relying on Uber, if you're just relying on this thin thread, silken thread of Wi-Fi technology to ultimately hold up and stand the test of time, I think you're going to find that we need to have the the water supply, like like I already said, and the, the different survival items to withstand six months or a year without any power. You know, we, we need to have gas-powered generators. We need to have the ability to, uh, you know, hand crank water out of the out of pumps when those electrical systems that pump the water up are no, no longer useful. And so in, in, in as many ways as we can, as we're going out and further and further into the digital world and finding it to be enriching and to find it to be all-encompassing and enveloping, ubiquitous internet of things around us everywhere, I think that we're, we're kind of becoming walked into the primrose path and we're, we're you know, walking with this blind faith into a world where everyone will turn around one day when those systems are completely, you know, if they, they can uh, put in, uh, you know, knock a thing, a uh, satellite out, do an EMP blast, do a couple of things to just totally cripple our military system, which uses all these uh, satellite links and, the, you know, all these uh, digital signal uh, orbital transmissions, you know, and I don't know they have NSA and all these different agencies have their own satellites, but it doesn't take long for the populace to find themselves totally back in the Stone Age. And, and that's something that the FBI is not going to protect us you know, from. Ultimately, the, the systems of the roundup, the mass roundup are going to come from beneath and above. So the federal, uh, the federal level is the FBI just trying to find any insurgents, any people who have wrong think or, or double double think or the or whatever, you know, Orwellian, you know, rebellion against outliers who are now marked with an X by the state. So the great inquisition as people are kind of marked digitally and flagged. And then from underneath, as people are pouring into the country by the million and ultimately they have to round all those people up by the tens of thousand in between there, the American people will find themselves and their rights absolutely annihilated. <laughs> The U.S. Surgeon General has issued a dire warning about social media, linking it to sky-high rates of depression in young people. We're living in the middle of a youth mental health crisis in America. This is the defining public health issue of our time. And sanctuary cities are struggling to fulfill their promises, as some counties are taking steps to block more migrants from coming in. Sanctuary cities are crying over a minuscule number of illegal immigrants compared to what Texas is suffering. Thanks for waking up with Morning Wire. Stay tuned. We have the news you need to know. Hey guys, Leanne here from Team Morning Wire. The IRS is under more scrutiny after a whistleblower and a journalist have accused the agency of political retribution. Here to discuss the growing controversy at the Federal Tax Collection Agency is Daily Wire reporter Tim Pierce. So, Tim, let's start with the Hunter Biden whistleblower. He revealed his identity on CBS News this week. Who is he and what did he say? 
Yeah, Gary Shapley is a supervisory special agent with the IRS's Criminal Investigations Department. He's a 14-year veteran of the agency, and he runs a unit of a dozen agents who investigate international tax and finance crimes. He spoke to CBS News this week, saying he wanted whistleblower protections from Congress because he had information on a high-profile IRS investigation, which he claims was interfered with by the Justice Department. There was multiple steps that were slow walked at the direction of the Department of Justice. Had you ever encountered that before? I have not, no. These deviations from normal process, and, and each and every time it seemed to always benefit the subject. Shapley wouldn't confirm if the subject was Hunter Biden. He's barred under tax privacy laws from revealing that. But CBS News was able to independently confirm that the subject is indeed the president's son. Okay. Shapley's unit has been taken off the case in what his attorneys called an act of retaliation. The decision to sideline Shapley came after he had a tense meeting with DOJ officials in October. Shapley said that meeting was his red line in his decision to blow the whistle. Now he's seeking protection from Congress so he can tell his story more fully. Shapley is expected to sit in a closed session with members of the House Ways and Means Committee later today. Well, we'll see what comes of that and follow up. Now these claims come as we also received more information on the IRS investigation into independent journalist Matt Taibbi. That's another case with political implications. What did we learn there? So back on March 9th, the IRS sent an agent to Taibbi's home, supposedly about his 2018 tax return. That visit was coincidentally on the very same day Taibbi testified before Congress about his work on the Twitter files. In that testimony, he exposed extensive collusion between U.S. intelligence agencies and Twitter to censor Americans. After learning that the IRS visited Taibbi's home, Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan asked the agency to explain itself. That's when the IRS stated it opened its investigation into Taibbi on December 24th last year. That happened to be the very same day that Taibbi published what he thought was the most explosive story on the Twitter files. Mm. Taibbi's December 24th story revealed that Twitter wasn't just cooperating with the FBI, but multiple other agencies as well. The story basically showed that a vast network of government agencies were pushing social media censorship, not just the FBI. Now, the IRS told Jordan that its investigation into Taibbi was actually an attempt to protect the reporter because they thought he may have been the victim of identity theft. All right, so the agency was so concerned about Taibbi that it opened an investigation on Christmas Eve. Yeah, Taibbi didn't buy that explanation either. He told Fox News he believes the IRS was trying to intimidate him. Well, very concerning for Americans less connected than Taibbi. Tim, thanks for reporting. Coming up, the Surgeon General issues a health warning on social media. So yeah, we have uh, to keep returning once again to these issues and... Um, we have a lot of things that we need to do with our time over here. We have a lot of, we have agricultural things going on. We have e-commerce stuff going on. We have lots of like positive stuff happening with our, with our kids and our, and our, we've got our dogs. We have our careers. We have like side work, private businesses we're trying to build. We have, we have like so many things that we're, we got going on up here, but we got to continuously take time out of our lives and out of our day and just out of, out of, our own existence, you know, the sands that move through the hourglass here. I don't get a certain amount of like heartbeats, a certain amount of like days to, to be alive. Right. And here I am spending this essential, most valuable of all things time with you to discuss things that are just completely almost my myopically absurd. I mean, it's insane how we have to kind of go through this whole process with you guys and yeah, I mean, the weaponization of the government. 
the weaponization of the bureaucracy of, of the federal leviathan right the federal empire itself has become so just dangerous to the to the people of the world and especially to the people of the united states that it's become it's very it's exceedingly problematic so much though it's it's really like i, I really don't know what to even say about it the, the irs now targeting people as it always has been i mean these are conspiracy theory like concepts and arguments that i've been making for over a decade many many people have been bringing up in different ways different websites and everyone uh people psychologically on mass mass psychology they're not able to uh, to cope not able to just wrap our arms around the danger so we the, the, the people who have most to lose are, are doing the least sitting around just trying to do our, our duty with our job to earn the, earn the federal reserve notes well federal reserve notes are crashing so you're earning a, a whole lot more less that's what you're doing. You're earning more and more and more dollars that are less valuable all the time. So you can be the first generation of poor millionaires, <laughs> poor struggling millionaires. Billion is the new million, but really the IRS protecting Hunter Biden, protecting these sick, disgusting Bolsheviks. What did the Bolsheviks do when they got in charge? Well, they, they first had a the advantage by using their, the, the Marxian ideals specifically to overthrow the czar and, and find that weakness and we can get that uh that pivotal point of structure rocking back and forth and then you bring in uh the wall street boys the wall street banks who are really just london banks who are really just skull and bone banks at the time right they're going to spend uh a pretty penny in gold to send trotsky and lenin and and uh and others over there to assist with brooklyn style professional marxist provocateurs who would come over there with their gold and they had really no really vested interest in uh what was going on in russia other, other than it was uh you know jewish communists paid to go in and uh and knock over the czar entirely you know what, what would have been recoverable and what probably worked itself out they wanted to go and, and, and really finish the guy off and ghost him out completely they got rid of the czar and the entire family of course if you read the books by eustace mullins you know that the czar and his entire family had a massive tranche of wealth, an unthinkable amount of wealth in today's numbers in the Bank of London. So after they knock him off and his family, guess who no longer really has any any uh, ability to go into the banking situation and uh, collect their money anymore, right? So that, that, that's, that's all part and parcel of the politics here that you're seeing play out. But it was about getting rid of uh, a system of political monopoly with the czar there. And the word czar comes from the old word Caesar, Caesar, right? So the czar was the Caesar or the, the ultimate imperator, the ultimate emperor of Russia. And uh, at some point, it was Alexander II, I think. I have to go back and check. Czar Alexander II. I think he, he decided he was going to throw all the, uh, all the uh, Jesuits out of his country. And the Redemptorists, too. The Redemptorists are also Jesuits, because Jesuits are liars, and they pretend to be things they're not in order to get by. So when uh, the, the uh, Tsar Alexander the Great, was it? I th I'm, I'm really, I have to go back and check my history on this, but I think it was Alexander II. Throws out the Jesuits, gets rid of all the Redemptorists and all the political uh, you know, manipulators in his country, because he's smart. He's not just a sold-out pape. He doesn't just get down and grovel and slobber on the Pope's slippers, right? He gets up and stands for his people like a man. Like a real leader would do, and uh, in this during this time, he recognizes the manipulation of the papacy in North America as it's as they're attempting to destroy North America and the, and the United States there with the 
the war of the 1860s, the war of northern aggression, the war of aggression of Washington, D.C., that's what they like to call it. And at that time, of course, the Pope is sending letters to Jefferson Davis for support, and showing and he's having uh, with these letters and his influence will cause hundreds of thousands, innumerable amounts of Irishmen who are being brought over because of the quote unquote potato famine into New York Harbor are being enrolled into the uh, into the north. And uh, many of these people would switch sides and begin to fight for the south. It was catastrophic for the, the efforts of Lincoln when the pope went over and sided with the south and all those Jesuits with him. That's really why the Jesuits and the, the priests there in Washington and um, Mary Seward and, and the other conspirators that would kill Lincoln, being uh, ultramontane, fanatical Roman Catholics, felt the need to not lose and, and not see the support, the, the, uh, the side that the Pope supported, not see that diminished by any means, but, and, and of course, shooting the, uh, the tyrant Lincoln in the face at Ford's Theater was part of the, the, that plan there. And so there's many moving parts here, but it suffice to say that, that the Tsar Alexander II there played an important role because he did not allow any European influence or manipulation from foreign militaries on, on the Europeans' part, you know, England and French military ships to come over there and really get involved in the Civil War. Because during the time of the Civil War, Russian warships and, and, and the Russian Navy at the time was the strongest Navy in the world. And those Russian uh, warships were posted up on the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean. And they pushed out any influence or any military uh, secret kind of envoys that might have got to come over into, into the region and prepare to invade during the Civil War, which would have been a perfect time to do it. Even French troops were amassed, 15,000 plus French troops were amassed in Mexico under uh, the newly installed Emperor Maximilian II or third or whatever, whatever, Napoleon's nephew or cousin or whatever it was, some guy. So they send over this, this uh, you know, noble bloodline guy, Maximilian, he's going to be the new emperor. And if they're, they're getting rid of popular democracy. They're getting rid of Democrat representative government, right? Democracy has to go. The republic, the idea of a, a self-sufficient republic not being run by, that is being run by common freemen and not being run by, you know, a bloodline nobleman is something that they cannot allow. So this civil war is going to be funded by the Rothschild banking establishments, the, the, the banking elites in Europe are going to rush to fund the North and the South because they want to get this war on. They want to get this bloodshed going. They want to get American democracy knocked over quick. Popped up a few decades, states were there, and then just have it, have it destroyed, right? And of course, we survived as a nation, the Civil War, but the presidency didn't survive democracy. It didn't survive the process because ultimately the presidency now is a, is a dictatorship. It's a tyranny. Of, of emergency war powers or emergency banking war powers or whatever war powers they de deem they need to give themselves. And so we have this issue now where the IRS is protecting Hunter Biden from any kind of legal prosecution. So he's got, so he's, he's inside the Bolshevik party here. He's inside the neo-Bolshevik forces and he's uh, beyond prosecution. He can do anything he wants. And every, everybody else uh, is a victim. Is just going to be victimized by the persecution of the IRS, which is completely outrageous. It was outrageous in the 90s under the Clintons. And now, now it was unconstitutional. Then. Now it's just become a, a military operation where they're getting guns and they're getting ready to just protect all the elites in Washington, D.C. and come uh, claim uh, you, all, all the Federal Reserve notes you're trying to work hard to build up. They're coming to take them. They're coming to take them back.
They're going to tax you into oblivion. 80, 90% tax uh, rates. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Fly out, fly to France to your chateau? <laughs> what are you going to do? How, are you just going to move your, your, all your um, manufacturing operations to, um, to Turkey? How are you going to get by in this, this new global catastrophe that's coming aimed at the American people? The federal government is weaponized, and it's been designed to become a weapon. The Federal Reserve banking system, the IRS, the Department of Justice, the entire city, not just the capital, needs to be occupied, but the entire city needs to be completely overrun. We, we need to get all those pigs up there that are making those zip codes in that area the highest income and the highest uh, salary zip codes in the world, in America, more billionaires and those zip codes around Washington, D.C. We need to run those people out on a rail. There's 300 million of us that are legal, plus and all the kids we aborted. Of course, why is God going to protect us? Why is God going to keep the invaders from coming in and stripping us clean? We just aborted all of our children. God's not going to support us, guys. The, the czar is gone. His ships are not going to be over there protecting us from the, on our flanks on the East Coast and the West Coast. Of our flanks are not going to be protected in this new civil war, Right? This is round two. They're going to fund both sides of this conflict, which is asymmetrical, and it's along this cultural fault line, which is which is not like geographic. It's just civil. Every other neighbor, house to house, street to street, right? That's what kind of fighting we're looking at here. And these individuals over here are, are insisting that they get the right to go into our schools, pervert our children, molest our kids, have them self uh self-castrated, chemically castrated, you know, actually castrated with, with a scalpel. I don't know what kind of disgusting Boston University, Boston College, Jesuit pigs are up there performing these surgeries, but it's not good, guys. It's not healthy. Any doctor who makes some kind of, like, doctor salary and has some kind of credentials and is up there, like, cutting these kids open and cutting their nuts and their ovaries out and all that, these little 15-year-olds, we ought to beat them to death, hypothetically. Hypothetically, right? Like, like beat, them, beat their reputation to death so they're gone. So they're, they're, they're like, it's like somebody put them in a box and buried them and you never see them again, right? Like that, hypothetically. We, we ought to tear these people limb from limb. We ought to do what it takes to save our nation and our children and our people. But, of course, this is the, provoca the provocation. It's intense. And so that, my opinion there, my, my instinct and my reflex is the reactionary force by which they're counting on Americans to totally just ruin their own country for them. So... We will not ruin our own country. We will lament all these other children that are, have, are lost, who will have lost existences as they go forward to be you know, having their, their most sensitive like genitals like scraped out and, and their inside of their soul and their psyche cored out, supposedly to give them a better life because they know who they really are because they're 14, right? And uh, whoever, all the people that are going along with this, we ought to focus in on them and begin to do what is necessary as a nation to survive. And so they're building this system. It's, it's coupled with the Department of Justice, totally corrupt. And it probably involves Trump, right? You think he's on the right? Since when? Like in the last five minutes, in the last five years? Since he had the, you know, this, I mean, he, he ran the economy good. Yeah. Why, why should we uh, get into a fever over that? That's what these presidents are supposed to be doing. He just did what he's supposed to do. And then he let the rest of the, the Washington Leviathan, the Washington Uniparty system, the deep state, just annihilate him. I mean, I'm worried about the guy. What, what if they just shoot him in the face and dealy paza and then start killing his children? And this is serious shit. I mean, what, what does Trump do? I mean, I mean does, he, does he finally learn his lesson and figure out what he's up against and go, go for the golden ring now and really like try to save America? I mean, we, we, this is existential. I mean, it's obvious on the left that that's, that's where it's going. 
And whether we turn to the right person on the right, the correct person who's our ally and put the right person in the White House, that's the issue. I mean, Trump just did the, did the, uh, the Federal Reserve System, did it, did it better than anyone else. He didn't, he didn't challenge that or try to get us back on a hard money. He pumped up the economy a little bit. That was nice for about five minutes. But that's not what it's all about. It's not all about commerce. It's not all about, oh, I got dollars in my account. It's about having dollars in your account that are actually worth something. It's about having a government that's constitutional. I mean, he just ran a bunch of executive orders. Why didn't he take that down? Why didn't he get rid of, uh, why didn't he get rid of Proclamation 2040 and, and 2039? All, all these war powers documents that a president can address. Why didn't he take those out of place so that we could, we could get off this constant system of imperial conflict and warfare worldwide? It's a system of global tyranny by which we get all the different other nations of the world to use our Federal Reserve System that was set up in 1913 by the City of London bankers. And sorry, Steve Bannon, you, you demagogue. Uh, the City of London, inner City of London is not just London's or Britain's Wall Street. It's far more than that. It's the actual financial system underpinning Wall Street. It's the financial system underpinning gold markets. And it's those, those large banking outfits the, the ancient Kuhn and Loeb, Brown Brothers and Harriman and, and Rothschild banking uh, elites that are connected out of London that are really determining the price of gold throughout the world. So we have to address this. This is, this is more than just watching America fall, feeding into the negativity as, as they try to like use all their, their energy to cause us to go completely nuts with all this, and, and um, with the, this, the pandemic hysteria and, the, and then the, the COVID poison the COVID toxin sorry you guys got taken in by that taking uh, taking any of these drugs uh, political drugs out of washington dc that's free for you is completely insane you need to have your head checked you need to go immediately to your psychiatrist and have yourself examined because you're nuts if you think that you're gonna go take some medicine that, that trump and biden agreed was good for you okay go have your head checked so as we move on from that point we're just saying that the military is being corrupted and now you can expect the IRS to have all of our social security numbers and addresses and hunt us down, uh, the, the just continuing on the, the persecution and the, the old-style Roman Inquisition that was started by January 6th. And these are the roundups. These are the roundups. This is what's coming. This is going to be developed. This theme is not going to go away. Those, those attorneys, uh, district attorneys and prosecutors up there in Washington, D.C., they, they have some kind of holy writ where they can persecute and, and, and charge people all throughout the country as they can go on to Texas and into Maryland and into Rhode Island and into Nevada and just find people they think may have been there or maybe said something they didn't like because their power is growing. The, the, the whole uh, investigation is expanding, right? The persecution net is widening. So whoever, you know, me, you, whoever, whoever they decide they want to just come take away, no one's resisting. No one's saying anything. No one's going to stop it. So when it goes completely beyond the bounds of the Constitution, it goes completely out of control, who's going to say anything? You're going to hide in your homes and do what you're doing now and suck your thumb and be real quiet. Maybe they'll pass by and they won't see us. We'll dig a hole under our house and hide like rats. But whatever we do, we won't challenge the system, we won't raise a voice, and we won't let them you know, focus their, their laser of persecution on us, right? Because, because we've got you know, to be cowards, right? And that's what this is. This is the coward, cowardization and the cowering of America under this weaponization of the bureaucracy. So as we work hard here to, to give you courage, to encourage you and embolden you, we're pointing out to you that this whole system has been unwinding for a long time, 
and the steps taken to get to this point now where we're totally being worn and run to ground and worn out by our government financially, economically, legally, every possible way. You, you don't have to like the people on January 6th. You just have to admit that they're wrongly persecuted, wrongly prosecuted. You can say that they shouldn't have been there doing that. That's fine. But the Capitol Police shouldn't have been shooting uh, rubber balls at them. The Capitol Police shouldn't have been shooting fucking flare grenades into the crowd. Okay, And the FBI shouldn't have been there with 50 men pushing and, you know, calling on the crowd to go into the building, go into the building with all the Ray Epps people. But they don't want to talk about that. But this is an information war. It's time for you to be informed, guys. It's time for your mind to find out the information that's being suppressed. It's, fine. it's time for your eyes and your consciousness to finally, like, take on awareness of, of the, the information that's being hidden from, from you out of sight. For you to process the truth now. It's about tearing down those lies. So, like I said, uh, there's plenty of people that went up there that day with, 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 and caused trouble. And there's plenty of people that just walked around and were just part of the crowd. And so we have to deliberately see that this was a, a, it, it was a failed intelligence operation. And it, it, it was a failed attempt to cause a major incident. Because it only lasted a couple hours. It wasn't a major incident. They, they wanted to see the Capitol on flames. They wanted to, have, they wanted to, sa- to, to put this entire issue of a capital insurrection, like a real one, a real shooting, people being shot, bloodshed everywhere, a major pandemonium lasting for days, right? That was the result that they were trying to evince out of the people and out of politically. It was the coming insurrection, right? It was something that was in the works for a long time. It was an operation. It just failed because the people behaved and the few people that were there, the Antifa, you know, with their Trump hats on backwards and the American flag capes, you know, breaking windows and doing all that crap, that all just really came to nothing. It was largely suppressed by the crowd who, who pushed back and said, don't do that. And when the Ray Epps people came around and said, hey, we need to go into the Capitol, they said, fed, fed, fed. fed. They didn't want to go into the Capitol. They, they knew that they were there just to peacefully protest and not cause a scene. But Ray Epps was laying the groundwork of that for days ahead of time, before, before the, the riot actually happened or whatever, the, the events of January 6th or whatever you want to say. So, so what do we do now? Go back to Trump, who was unable to like thread the needle and figure out that this whole issue with Pfizer and, and World Health Organization and COVID in China was really just a big setup to ruin him and his presidency and, and throw a wrench in the gears of a white hot American fucking. We got right to the point where we had to you know deal with China. They got to the skinny bill. They just did something to lay over, but they, we had them on over the barrel because of these tariffs. And all of a sudden, COVID comes in with World Health Organization stuff. And, and you, guys are, you guys can't follow the bouncing ball. It's just too many moving parts. Oh, I'm scared to suck my thumb, go in the closet. Oh, I'm scared. Well, guess what? I'm not scared. This is the only life I get. I'm going to put all of my energy and all of the life that I have on the line for this truth and just for fighting this cause. Because you know what? I'm not going to live down on my knees like sucking dirt like a coward, like a little bitch. All right, I'm going to call this shit out. That's what Americans do. That's why we have our guns. That's why the rest of the world, they, they have like inverted vaginal canals where their wieners used to be. They don't, they don't have any maleness left. The testosterone is gone. They got no gunpowder. They got no steel. They got no backbone. They're all cringing, cowering slaves to the new world order here. And it's just America. And then America is just Florida. And in Florida, it's just these counties where we live, where we're free here. And in these counties, it's just me. And then over there is you. And you won't say anything. I see you clicking on the show. You listen. You watch. It's an amusement. It's like, it's like fun time. It's like a game to you. Oh, I want to listen to something that just really like gets me going. But I, I, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to actually sh- do anything on my end to step out and become part of this American uh, movement here, right? Well, it's time for you to step up. And if you don't have the, the nutsack to 
to guard against your own protection. Think about your family members and your kids. If you had them and you didn't abort them, if you actually bared children into the world, then let's talk about what's the future of your children going to be like if you don't act like a grown free man and a courageous adult now. We got to push these new world order little slobs back. We got to push these Bill Gates of the world. We got to push them back into their slimy holes where they came from.